Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Honest Human Resources Podcast with your host, me, Matthew Kirby. Today, we're going to jump into uh, what's really something that we've all seen before in many different ways and forms and fashions on the news. Uh, this is someone who essentially tried to pull a fast one and, and get a job with having false credentials and, you know, end up getting caught. So I wanted to uh, talk about this article that I read, came across um, on CNN, and then I'll give you some of my takeaways, dig into a little bit more about uh, some of the HR and resume implications, not too much, you know, for those who want to have a longer conversation and dig deep into some of those resume skills, please don't hesitate and email me at honesthumanresourcespodcast at gmail.com, and we'll dig deep into it, take it offline, and then what we'll do is just get right into it. So I'm going to not only let you know what this article is about, but just tell you a little bit more about some key points in this. So the title of this article is, a woman lied on her resume to land a $185,000 year job. Now she's going where? To jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And like I said, I got this from CNN because, you know, plagiarism, copyright, copyright, got to let everybody know. Oh, and the link to this article will be below in the description. So please feel free to check out and read the whole article for yourself. So just reading this about this incident, this lady, it made me think about what's a call today's podcast. So today's podcast is fake it till you make it, I guess. I don't know. Let's get into it. So this is going to be, again, posted on all social media platforms uh, so you can check out the article, uh, read the descriptions, and come up with your own thoughts. Comment below, remember, at the end of this podcast, and let me know what you think about the article. Is she crazy? Was she trying to get sympathy? What's going on? So a few things that stuck out to me in this article. So first and foremost, I'm just going to knock them out real quick. So this was about a 46-year-old Australian woman that lied on a resume to get a job as a chief information officer, so a CIO, C-level, big time big power, and that was for a role within the Australian government. The salary for this role, I gave you the U.S. dollar equivalent, but for those who just want to know what that is in Australian dollars, it's about $270,000 in Australian dollars, which, like I said before, is 185 in U.S. dollars. She was end up charged with deception dishonesty, and abuse of public honesty. Go figure. She worked on the job for a little over a month, and then she was discovered. So, I mean, you know, those in HR, you know, at least it was in her probationary period. You know, she won't have the job for, you know, 10 years or something like that. Her jail sentence was 25 months and one year of probation after, of course, she pled guilty to all charges, so she knew she was wrong. She ain't even fighting. She posed, here's the thing, this, this one kind of made me chuckle when I read it. During her interview process and 
resume checks and background checks and all that. She posed as a previous employer doing her reference checks. And again, I'm going to get into that a little bit deeper, but come on. Come on, Australian government HR. How, how you ain't pick up on that one? Here's another thing that cracked me up. Her LinkedIn photo was a picture of Kate Upton. Like, come on, who, where, 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 where the due diligence at? What are we doing, HR in Australia? What are we doing? But, yeah, Kate Upton, y'all, come on. She famous, famous. Her department became suspicious. And, again, this was in that one-month kind of time period, uh, four to six weeks, I believe, the article says specifically. But they became suspicious after her mental health deteriorated shortly after starting. Now, for those of my listeners who – are either in management, mid, upper, C-level, CEO, they own business, whatever. We all know how upper-level management positions can be highly stressful. So for someone to not only fake their way in, of course this position was going to tell on them sooner than later, real quick. So just kind of running through all those quick facts about the article. Again, the link to the article will be in the description so you can read for yourself. Make your own judgments. But here are some of my key thoughts about this whole thing. So first and foremost, probably most, if not all of us, are wondering this, but how the hell did she get away with this? Like, you know, yeah, it was deceptive and mischievous and nefarious and all of the above, but how does she actually pull this off? I am curious to know. In a perfect world, I would try to get an interview with her just to find out how sway. Another thing that I thought that came to mind is, and again, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate on this one. Um, Yes, everything she did was wrong and incorrect and not fair, and she took advantage of uh, a hole in the system or opportunities within a HR's hiring process, but the HR department in my humble opinion, does have to share some of this blame. More specifically, here are a few things where after reading this article and thinking about it, I'm like, all right, how y'all ain't see this? This is the area of opportunity. That's what I say during my during my nine to five. So here we go. One of them is background checks, reference checks, social media checks, and even the use of in my head, I call it AI and the facial uh, recognition in terms of checking a candidate, but just kind of common sense. And, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. You know, Kate Upton is a famous person, you know. But maybe the person ain't know. I don't know. The overall interviewing process and the workflow, so workflow in HR terms is referring to how the candidate moves, not only through the ATS system, but also just through the process itself. Right. Normally, we talk about C-level positions of anything. It's pretty rigorous. A lot of people have to touch it. So for it to fall all the way down or, you know, just get missed by so many people, I think that was a area of opportunity, excuse me, that was, you know, obviously apparent. And then last but not least, the and arguably most important, but the skills assessment, like, 
you know, you would think when you're interviewing for a C-level position, or let's just broaden it out a little bit, better yet, any kind of IT or technical position, there's some sort of conversation and evaluation of your leadership skills, your IT acumen, your business acumen, you know, managing large budgets, uh, being familiar with, you know, large-scale systems, perhaps implementation, back-end, front-end, this-end, that-end, whatever the case may be. So, you know, what about that skill assessment was easy, and I'll put that in quotes, easy enough for someone like this lady to get through? And then another thing that uh, stood out to me was, and this is kind of a broader conversation, I'm just going to mention it and maybe even have another episode about it all by itself, but when we talk about the mental health and warning signs, because when you read the article, it will tell you more about um, how she actually had some mental health issues. So really getting at and kind of figuring out how to identify some of those invisible disabilities is what I call it. And how does that situation, that mental, that health situation, how is that a factor in terms of her jail sentence? So was her disability status in terms of the mental health disability used as what I call a coupon or a shorter jail sentence? Again, read the article. You'll get into it. Another thing, and I'm definitely doing an episode about this, y'all, so y'all, y'all stay tuned. But another thing that comes to mind is nepotism. So, yes, the idea that you know, after she got into her position, she hired her brother, who won't even qualify, into a role. She used her advantage, her position, temporary position, to hire her brother. One of the things I want to know, is he still there? You know, what if he did lack the skills initially or wasn't the strongest candidate and, you know, fast forward out of his probationary period, he ended up becoming a good performer. Maybe he was a quick learner. Would you still fire him? Comment below and let me know. If someone is hired and, you know, by nepotism, under false pretenses, whatever you want to call it, would you still fire the person or the people that they hired, even if they ended up being good performers? Let me know. And one of the other things that, really came to my mind is, especially when I read what some of the statements were, that from the defense counsel, her lawyers, whatever the case may be, you know, they call this whole thing a revelation of something like this as premeditated as this. Can someone really be sorry enough? And I ask that because you know, something like this, it's its not only premeditated, but, you know, you probably got to practice some aspects of this. So can someone really be sorry enough or is this good old lawyer talk, you know, to ultimately that impacted her sentence? And then when you think about and when, you, when I talk about to others about this article, you know, what what are these fraud fraudulent practices that she was also found to be guilty of in 2012 and 2014. 
So, again, going back to the defense counsel's statements, you know, she clearly has a history of this. 2012, 2014, and now this example? No red flags? No prior litigation? No prior jail time? Maybe if she would have gotten dealt with in the legal sense and it popped up on her background, maybe these this employer, the Australian government, would have picked up on it, maybe. So how was this discovered is one of the things I want to know. And in situations like this, some of you all may be experts, especially those who work in the legal field, but let's just say if she would have gotten convicted of these same types of crimes in 2012 and 2014, is there or should there be some sort of statute of limitations that apply? which is something that I was curious about. So as you can see and as you can hear, and hopefully as you read, this situation is hella crazy. So, I mean, in a sense, and I even hate to say this, but it's honest human resources, so I'm going to say it anyways. I applaud her in the sense of being able to get this far. I mean, you pulled one. On folks, So there's some sort of skill, as mischievous and nefarious as it was, I mean, it got through, you know, you got through that almighty ATS system that, quote unquote, you know, lots of folks think that only picks up certain keywords, so you got through it. So I got to give respect on that, but you know, for lack of better words, you're still kind of a donkey of the day in this situation. So just thinking about this real-world situation, because I'm not here to bore you with useless HR stuff, what are some of those resume slash interview takeaways that you at home, you listening, you in the car, you on social media, wherever you are, what are some of the correct and more legal implications you can learn from this. What are some of those takeaways? And like I said, we'll get deeper into this for those who are interested. Uh, feel free to send me an email to honesthumanresourcespodcast at gmail.com. I do consult career services, resume, revamps, all that good stuff. So feel free, send me an email. So here's one of the things. We all know fraud is wrong, very wrong. But where do you cross the line between fraud and finesse? What do you think? Is there really a difference? Is there really a line in the sand or the concrete to be drawn? So just to touch on that briefly, there's no way I'm going to advocate or tell any of my clients to willingly and put up fraudulent information. I don't do it in my reviews of people's resumes. I don't do it in my revisions. I don't do any of that. However, and fellow resume uh, writers, uh, critiquers, career counselors, all of the above, what I have seen widely spread throughout this kind of industry and niche and situation, and there's nothing wrong with this, is you finesse through what I call synonyms. So when we talk about briefly 
trying to have a resume that's going to appeal to an ATS with certain keywords and speaking to a job description and all that good stuff, you don't put anything fraudulent up there, but you do. And this is one of the things that I do. One of the best practices I'll share is sometimes the game of synonyms and like words or job descriptions or, you know, descriptions of your ability makes all the difference. So, if you created something, you know, maybe you masterminded it. Maybe you uh, brainstormed it. If you wrote something, maybe you was creative with the writing. Maybe you were even technical with the writing. See, that kind of use of certain words, phrases, it's okay to speak to a job description. Aside from the whole ATS component, it's cool if a fellow uh, HR professional like either myself or many of you out there, you know, see something that speaks or, you know, is tailored to the job posting that we put up, I can rock with that. You know, I appreciate it. You took the time to look at the resume and, you know, did your little finesse. And I can pick up on that. I'm sure other, uh, other of my peers can in the industry as well. So we can appreciate that. So just thinking about, synonyms, and even trying to base your resume off of comparable roles, that's okay. It's okay. But like I asked before, where and at which point do you cross the line in between fraudulence and finessing? Think about that, y'all. Comment below and let me know what y'all think about that. And another thing here is the notion of the interview prep, you know, yes, this was an elaborate scheme that she did and she got caught up with obviously after a month and whatnot, but it's okay. And I recommend this to everyone, folks, if y'all out there looking for a job and y'all know somebody at the organization, let's just say even in the same department or whatnot, friend, colleague, whatever, shoot your shot and see if they'll help interview prep you. You know, this reminds me, and I kind of wish I knew someone uh, before, and this was a few years back, I was trying to apply for a HR role at PG&E, and there was this one skills assessment, low-key, I felt like it was an inkblot test, but there was this one skills assessment that I could not pass, get enough right not get enough wrong, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, man, if only at the time I really knew someone at PG&D that I could even bounce the idea off of, hey, you know, I'm I'm facing this kind of skills assessment in my application. Uh, when you had this or when you were applying for PG&E, did you see something similar? What advice, what wisdom, what all of the above can you give me to – make me perhaps be not only more familiar with this assessment, but hopefully pass this thing so I can get on to the next level. So interview prep is key. Fraudulent prep ain't. It ain't what you want. Let's not go to jail trying to get a job. Say that again. Let's not go to jail trying to get a job. And for those who know people and have been hired by referrals, Make sure 
that the person that referred you or even if you know somebody, you know, way up in the organization, make sure they got their job the honest way as well. I can't speak for every state, every district, every municipality, every employer, but sometimes, and I've seen this before in my career, if somebody is called or an investigation is done in a situation such as this that we talked about, oh, they'll clear the whole line of referrals and hires based on the notion that you were hired under false pretenses. So that idea that if that person wasn't there, they wouldn't have been able to refer, to refer you to this position, therefore you wouldn't have been in this opportunity. And that's another extension of at will, and we'll get into that at another time or another episode and what that looks like depending on what state you are. So just taking a look at and thinking about not only the article, but just some of those HR implications and concepts that we talked about, you know, here are some of my kind of final thoughts about this subject. Making it till you make it, it can go wrong. Yes, I know, you know, it's kind of a trite and overused expression and, you know, we hear it a lot and it's religious in some sense, you know, to really fake it till you make it, but it can and will at some point, maybe not jail time, maybe just a valuable lesson, whatever the situation may be, but it can go wrong at some point in time. It's kind of like the, what do they call it, Murphy's Law? If something bad can happen, will, it can, something, y'all know, y'all the experts. And then also just keep in mind, and I consult and coach a lot of this as well, but knowing and staying within those allowable limits between finesse and fraudulence and keeping you as far away from those tricky legal gray areas as possible. Y'all, it's the job market. You don't need to go to jail for it. I didn't say it once. It ain't worth it. Come talk to me. Highlight me. Highlight somebody who does this kind of thing for a living and for a profession, especially if they're lucky or worthy or whatever you want to call it, enough to have that inside-out perspective, that perspective from within the organization, arguably within HR and talent acquisition, but that's just my bias showing. And just remember, y'all, regardless of whatever the position is, however difficult it may be, that next C-level position, that next regional position, the mid-manager position, the supervisor position, Remember, it's okay to shoot for the stars. Just don't fake that you hit your target. Just don't pretend like you have more qualifications and skills than you actually do. It's okay because a good HR professional, a good recruiter, a good hiring manager is going to sift that out. And you don't want to get got. You don't want to also, as a result, be potentially a subject of being blackballed or that idea of, hey, y'all, if I'm a hiring manager, recruiter, whatever, hey, I had candidate such and such, y'all watch out. 
I caught some stuff. Hey, this don't look right. When I got them in the interview, they had no idea about X, Y, and Z. Because let's keep it real. Us in the HR profession, recruiting, whatever you want to call it, we talk. We talk, y'all. We regular people. And like you'll know and you'll learn from this regular kind of happenings of the job market in the application process, this will affect your nine to five. If you can't get no job or day job, night shift, whatever, but keep in mind, y'all, you are a human resource beyond the nine to five. You're a human resource from five to nine. 24-7, 24-7, So I say all that to say, just be honest. Have someone to look over your resume. Feel free to send me an email. Feel free to reach out to somebody, and we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll get you as close to the drinking pond, hole, whatever you want to call it, but we're not going to make you and force you to drink it. So keep in mind, everyone, feel free to follow me on all social media. When in doubt, it's Honest Human Resources everywhere. That's on GroupMe for those of you all who have that app. Facebook, LinkedIn, IG, Twitter. Well, Twitter is Honest HR, but you get the point. When in doubt, Honest Human Resources. Y'all follow me, friend me, join the conversation, use the hashtags. And let's keep this thing moving. And I'll talk to you all in the next conversation.